Welcome to Real Talk for Real Teachers. I'm Dr. Becky Bailey, the creator of Conscious Discipline, expert in child development, education, and a lifelong teacher and learner. For those listening who are not aware of Conscious Discipline, it is a comprehensive self-regulation program that integrates social-emotional learning, school culture, and discipline into one seamless whole. So who are real teachers? Real teachers love what they do, but also can't wait until Friday for the weekend. Real teachers give their job 120%, but also count down the days to spring break and holidays off. Real teachers can't wait until the year is over. And yet, real teachers miss their children when they leave and start another year giving their heart and soul to the next group. Real Talk for Real Teachers is a growing community of loving professionals who seek to love themselves as much as they love others. Today, we're talking about Monday Madness, that start-over experience that can drain teachers after children have been home over the weekend. We will talk about it in broad terms and then move to some strategies that will help you turn Monday Madness into just regular old Monday mornings. To understand this process enough, I will frame it in a discussion about learning to say hello and goodbye. Every day we say hello and goodbye to children and their families, to each other at work, and our own families at home. On weekends, we extend that hello and goodbye period a little longer. Over major breaks and summer holidays, the period of hello and goodbye grows even longer. Conscious Discipline is a trauma-informed program, so we will look at the impact of saying hello and goodbye on teachers and children who have experienced trauma and those in current situations of great stress. Every relationship starts with hello, and every relationship ends with goodbye. Take a moment and think about your relationship history. How has your hellos gone? As expected, or at times not as expected? Ending in quick goodbyes, lasting longer than you thought, shorter than you thought? Now focus on your goodbyes, your losses, loss of jobs, loss of homes, loss of safety, loss of love, betrayal, and so on. As many of you know, my parents had Alzheimer's, which is called the long goodbye. It is a difficult journey to say hello to a different person every day and one you don't really recognize, and then to say goodbye to one you've known for your lifetime. So as I think about my hello and goodbye history, it's, uh, it, there's a trauma built into it. It's, it's tainted with um, sadness and anger and loss. So how is your hello and goodbye history? Just take a moment. Ponder that. Now let's relate this to children. Children of neglect and abuse have had painful hellos. Children of abandonment have had hurtful goodbyes. Many children are terrified of both hellos and goodbyes. So what does this mean for their behavior and our ability to connect with these children? Fridays can be as hard for many children when they say goodbye. They're saying goodbye to the safety and support and food at a school. Mondays can be difficult because their guard and defenses needed to be up on the weekend. And at school, we ask them, let down your guard, let down that protectiveness, Open your mind, open your heart for optimal learning. Some kids are spending weekends with dad or certain day with auntie. Routines and consistency 
changes. Caregivers change. I mean, even if you're going to Disneyland, it still was a change. Weekends, whether fun or frightening, are a change in routines, predictability, and consistency, reducing a felt sense of safety. How we manage Fridays and Mondays matters as teachers. It matters for us. It matters for the children. It matters for the families. Today, I've invited Tiffany Taylor to talk with us. She has been a passionate public school educator for 23 years, 12 years teaching kindergarten, four years teaching pre-kindergarten, six years at the district level, supporting both pre-kindergarten and kindergarten teachers and their administrators. She has been the teacher of the year twice in two different schools. I mean, everywhere she goes, it's her brilliance goes with her, I guess. And she's been an excellent practitioner of conscious discipline for, oh my gosh, forever. So welcome, Tiffany, to Real Talk for Real Teachers. Thank you so much, Becky. Great to be here. Okay, so now before we get into this, I mean, you've been around the block, as we just read, a pretty good bit. So before we tackle the Monday madness, and, you know, of course, I framed it in this hello goodbye, tell us about your last six years at Grand Avenue and what's happening right now, because you're kind of in the middle of a a, a pretty intense goodbye. I am. um, Thank you for asking. Uh, The last six years, I was at the most special place, uh, the best school that I've ever been at, Grand Avenue Primary Learning Center. It's nestled down in the uh, Paramore community, which is one of the most under-resourced communities in Central Florida. Lots of crime, um, heavy poverty. So we really worked hard as a teaching family to, as a staff family, to create a safe place for the children and their families. Uh, Sadly, we were closed this year because of a new model that the county is uh, wanting to put forth, a K-8 model, where there's kindergarten through eighth grade students all together in quite a huge building. So it's been um, a big goodbye for our children and our families and for the teachers that were there. One teacher was there 37 years at the Grand. Oh, wow. So it was a very special place to be, and I really do feel a little hole in my heart um, talking about it and remembering um, our time together there. It's a beautiful place. And the Grand Avenue, how many kids did they serve? What was the number of students at that school? Well, we were a primary learning center. So uh, with the state grading system, um, that's what they designed Grand Ave to be so that um, we wouldn't be under that grading system. So we had Head Start through second grade students, and we had around 220 to 250 each year. I know, and such a successful model. I can imagine your heart breaking as it goes from uh, the small number of uh students and Head Start through second, now K-8 with, I'm sure, a giant new beautiful building uh, instead of the old brick, warm, cozy place that, you know, has been there forever, but it still was full of love. Yes. And actually, my mom went there many years ago, so I really had a connection to it. And unfor- Oh, wow. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, the city has other plans for it. So really, as we speak, it's being um, demolished. Hmm. Ouch, yes. as they say. Yes. yes. Okay, so let's move. Now, let's take all your 23 years of experience, and certainly the last six where you dealt with children with a lot of issues and possibly more trauma than the typical population, which is quite large. One in five kids are uh, experienced trauma. Very much so, so. 
So let's take a look at Monday mornings and possibly Friday afternoons. Now, what trends have you seen in the last 23 years of teaching these kids? You know, it's, there's always a little bump on Friday and a little bump on Monday. But has it changed over the years or is it the same or what are you seeing? I think so. I think it has changed. I think as the electronics have become more prevalent in homes, um, there's less connection going on and uh, times away from school when uh, we are more hands-on, so to speak. So I definitely see a trend in, in children that are on electronics more and not outside playing or doing um, things that are more social in nature. And what are you seeing? Tell us, give us an idea. Paint us a picture here. Uh, kids that come back in and they maybe have a, some separation anxiety from their families. They maybe don't feel quite like participating in, in our circle time or some of the activities that we've got. They need a little slower pace to get them going on that Monday morning. Yeah, kind of a re-entry time. Yes, yes. So what do you consciously do to help these families and these children re-enter on Monday? What is in, into your school culture? What is a procedure? And, and if you have any specific stories of a specific child, share that with us. I sure will. We had uh, at Grand, we were very fortunate that from the top, from our leadership, we felt very free to stay connected um, through social media, through cell, our cell phones, texting with our families. Um, so there was always some connection there and the families knew that. So that was helpful. Um, we also were very intentional and when we planned for the kids to come in on Monday mornings, uh, we had a plan for activities for, um, teaching, but we also made sure that it, that I would be able to get up from a group that I was working with, or my um, paraprofessional would be able to get up from who she was working with. If a child needed some extra TLC, needed help in the safe place, just needed help with that re-entry, as you said before. So we were intentional in our planning um, so that there was some flexibility there, but we kept the routine there, just the flexibility in our being able to um, connect and interact. Um, we had lots of visuals to help as they came in and as they left um, on Fridays, as you said. We really tried to set the tone for calm in the classroom as they came in. Um, the lighting, the diffusers were blowing the lavender, so we had scent going on. Um, music, some classes didn't care for the music, so you had to kind of play it by ear on that one. Um, and then if we had specific students who needed extra uh, reinforcement, I had visuals for them, or I had made a little extra time to connect with them as they came in through the door. And working with the families is really important too, um, especially for those kids that did need extra support. I was able to build relationships as we all were at Grand to, to say to mom, dad, grandma, whoever was caring for um, our, that student, hey, I really notice when uh, Robert comes in on Monday, it's it's a tough transition for him. Let's try some things. Uh, maybe make sure you've got his clothes out and you have a pretty steady routine for the before school piece. Um, and then as you walk in, let's have a have a goodbye ritual for you so that he can then transition into the hello ritual with me. So we involve the families as much as possible. Um, and in our Brain Smart Start, I made sure that we didn't do really anything new. We had songs that the children knew or activities that the children already knew, added some calming activities in. We had yoga alphabet, so that was the next letter um, that we, we practiced. 
And we just made sure that we had a calm state of state of mind. I was very fortunate to have a, a paraprofessional that had conscious discipline in her heart. And so we worked well together just to, if, if I was losing my star power, she could take over. <laughs> so let me see if I've got this. So what you did was, and I love that part you just said about the flexibility that you intentionally planned that morning, that Monday morning, I'm sure all other mornings too, but certainly that's important on Monday that someone was free to be able to connect with the student. And it could be you or the paraprofessional, whoever that child's, you know, more person was. Absolutely. I think that that planning is so brilliant and certainly all the visuals were, would be helpful. Uh, did you have any children uh, that were kind of chronically struggling with Monday or did it mix it up a little? Uh, we, I did have some, and for those, we again kind of individualized um, what we did. I would send home a book of our school routines so that whenever they came back, or excuse me, while they were gone, they would have that to look at and, and kind of get those ingrained in their in their little brains. And when they came back, they had a more um, a deeper understanding of what was going to happen when school started up again. I also had a little guy who what really helped him get through those weekends was we had jobs in our classroom, so he would have jobs at home. He actually put a lot of the uh, conscious discipline structures into his home life. And so he had five people in his family, five jobs, and he would have a job structure going all weekend. So it was just a little bit of a connection um, of the classroom, even though he was not in it. Now, did he set this up, the five-year-old, or was that kind of done in cooperation with the whole family, or was it his idea? That's what I want to do. It was his idea. He set it up. He created the jobs. One, I believe, was a door holder for when they went places. Uh, another was the good night person um, to go around and give good night hugs and kisses. So he created this on his own. You know, I've heard of kids who, many kids who, once they have a safe place in their classroom, take that concept home. And some kids who've had a very violent home, this little boy, he created one outside under the tree in the backyard, and that's where he would take his younger brothers and sisters out when it got a little too violent in the house. And uh, he wanted a couple things to put outside that wouldn't get rained on. It's amazing how these kids take what they need and kind of set it all up. So what kinds of behaviors would you see on Monday mornings that kind of gave you a clue this was a little tougher than normal? Well, usually it was pretty much presented in two ways. Um, there would be separation anxiety from the, the family member that was bringing them in, tears, I don't want to go. I had one little guy shoot out of the classroom and make it all the way home before we could catch him. Um, so it was it was, it was was big stuff to them. Um it can also present an opposition, just not wanting to participate and not opposition, not meaning uh, willful opposition, just just the withdrawal or the not being able to right. to know how to assimilate. So um, some that would just sit and do nothing, which was fine, or that would stand at the door with their backpack until we got ready to go to breakfast. So di those different withdrawal behaviors are the behaviors that showed me, all right, this guy's, this gal or guy is going to need a little uh, extra uh, nurture and structure to get through this day. You bet. And for those listening, I want to kind of add on that separation anxiety. Um, you have that show up for many reasons. But I just want to add some that we often don't think about uh, as educators is sometimes it's hard for a child to leave, especially a mother or their, quote, person 
because they're scared that something's going to happen to that person while they're at school. And that usually is the reason. It's not so much I'm scared about me, but if I stay home and with you, I can somehow keep you safe from your life experiences. So we got to keep that in mind that we reassure those children that, you know, you're safe here at school, but the, the real reassurance is, but is my mom safe at home? And that's a great point. If I could piggyback on that, I did have several children last year that um, had violence and death in their experience, their school year. And so that was for the little guy that made it all the way home. That's exactly what he was trying to, to do. He was trying to keep them safe, not worrying so much about him, but worrying about them as well. Um, so we just really kept in close contact with mom. And we actually talked about what mom would be uh, doing when she went home. Would she be going to work? Would she be caring for the other children? Would she be cleaning the house? Would she be chilling out? <laughs> you know, so that they knew um, that we talked about it constantly. They knew what was going on as much as possible. Now let's flip over to Friday's. So that's the hellos. So you can see people, you see in the anxiety that those people I adore so much might not be safe. You're seeing that kind of shut down until I can assimilate back into this cultural world, which does ask me to let down my guard a little more than it does at home. And so let's flip over to Fridays. Do you see any of behavioral changes come Friday when they know they're leaving? Uh, Yes. At the end of the day on Fridays, it was, um, you know, we were all pretty tired. So we did go out to the playground and played together. And my paraprofessional and I were present during the play. So we gave some outlet for that um, activity. It seemed to be a little bit rougher and more intense physical play. Uh, So we made sure we gave gave them an opportunity for that. We also worked very hard to... um, celebrate our time together for that week. Um, our calendar, we didn't have the standard calendar. We had a, a poster, board, poster board grid. And at the end of each day, we would uh, pick one child and they would tell us what was what they wanted to remember about that day together. And so we would look at all the things that we had done throughout the week. And then we would look at, we'll have two sleeps, two home days, and then we're going to come back and fill that up again. So there was that expectation that you're going to go, go home, You'll be safe, and then you'll come back again, and we'll start all over again as well. And we also made sure to uh, have some extra connection time um, for those kids that might be going home to a less safe place that their anxiety was coming from. They didn't want to come home. So we made sure uh, before they left that we had the the goodbye ritual and, and maybe even some extra words of encouragement um, as well. And we talked about what we were doing, myself as the teacher and the paraprofessional, what we would be doing over the weekend so that um, they got lots of opportunities to see that when you go home to the weekend, there's a lot of similarities that we might do together. We're definitely going to sleep in and um, spend time with our family. Uh, So we tried to add some extra connection in with that as well. Now, did you ever send anything home? Uh, I know you were sending visual routine books home. Right. But did you send... uh... I don't know, a puppet or uh, send anything home that they might need or they felt from school that would help uh, provide that, you know, like a blankie. We did. We um, had, we made the pre-K blankets. Uh, A great uh, mentor and teacher, Amy Pilant, started that ritual. She actually made blankets for the kids. So when I came to pre-K, we did the same. So they could take it home uh, on the weekend if they wanted to. Um, some didn't come back on Monday, but we had some extras and we worked hard to get them back. They all had uh, puffy stars 
and they could keep them in their cubby if they needed it. They could take it out as well. So we did have tools. Um, some children used it, but not 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 so many. I can see why this uh, school was a special place in your heart. It sure was. It certainly, and also I visited there, so yeah. I, I've actually seen it in action. So if you had, we're going to kind of stop winding up here, but if you had like four things, let's say three or four things that you're, all these teachers are listening, some are brand new, some have been at it for a long time, some of it have dealt with different populations than you have, but what would be some three or four things that you say, okay, here's what needs to happen. So number one would be... Uh, you mean for goodbye and hello? Or? Yeah, for okay. either one. Or you can separate them. You can do for hello or goodbye, whichever one you think. Well, I think uh, definitely having your hello and goodbye rituals. That's a key, key point because you, that's where you get the information on how they're leaving and how they're coming back in on Monday. Um, Wait, now let's stop there for just a second, Tip. So what are your hello and goodbye rituals and, and what kind of information are you looking for and how are you assessing it? Well, uh, the goodbye rituals w w are your standard with the, the tray, the greeting tray, or excuse me, the goodbye tray, bye-bye butterfly, toodaloo, kangaroo, ones that can be found, I believe, on the Conscious Discipline uh, website and in the book. Um, so we had those standard rituals, also a hug, and also um, we had a great week together. Can't wait to do it again. Just some encouraging words as they were going. I, don't, I would be looking at how they responded to family that came in to pick them up or whoever was picking them up at that time. In pre-K, they had to be signed in and out, so there was always um, an adult that came to get them. Okay, wait, let's stop there. Now I'm going to go deeper in this thing. So as you're watching how they respond to their family, so let's say, uh, so give me some of the responses you've seen, the, the, uh, the mother, aunt, or whoever, uncle, whoever's picking the child up, enters the classroom, the child spots the adult. What are some typical responses you, you've seen? You, uh, the gamut. You run up and jump in their arms, um, kind of look up and then go back to what they were doing on the carpet or if they were outside playing. Um, some kind of slowly get up and walk over. It, it could be all kinds of reactions or responses. And, and of course, each of those are reflection for our listeners, just to add to that. Each of those are reflection of the quality of that relationship. So, and it gives you signs of the quality of that relationship in terms of how that person helps that child in a distress mode. So, if I see my someone comes to the door and I run and leap at them means that, you know, I feel good. You're going to be there for me to celebrate me and you're going to be there in the highs and the lows. If I look up and I see you and I kind of go back to work, it's kind of like I'm not so sure. You know, sometimes you might be there for the highs. Sometimes you might be there for the lows, but other times you're just kind of absent in my life. If I kind of look up, if I don't even notice you exist basically says, you're not there for me in the high parts of my life when I can jump high or in the low parts of my life where I feel like uh, the world is a hopeless place to be. So just to add a little info there. And that was information. And we took that and we tried to teach from that. So if we had a child, a situation where the family came in and the child kind of looked up and went back down again, then we would make sure to do some noticing and maybe teach that family, um, that mom, as she came in a little goodbye ritual she could do with her child. 
So trying to build it in as much as we can. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so so you have your hello, goodbye rituals. And so go from there. I interrupted you. That was number one. And you learned from it. You got a lot of information and you planned around that information you got just from this simple hello and goodbye ritual. So what would be number two? Uh, number two, I think, would be uh, just that flexibility piece that we talked about. Just being having a plan, keeping the structure as tight as you can, but also knowing, um, you know, a tag team, one of us may have to um, step away from what we're doing and, and give some extra connection to one, two, maybe four or five. Uh, I know some teachers don't always have the luxury of having um, another person in the room. So that would maybe take some planning, maybe having something in their cubbies that they could go and get to until um, an adult could get to them. At Grand, we had uh, resource teachers that if we had um, students that we knew needed extra connection, we would make sure and say, hey, can you come down on Monday mornings and just make sure that they um, have a smooth transition in. So use the resources around the school that you've got as well. Yes. Okay. Number three. Um, just making sure, and I had to learn this the hard way, make sure you are keep doing things for you to come in calmly. Um, self-care to set the tone for calm. It, it's not only the environment, the physical environment, but of course you um, as you as you are greeting with the the children and welcoming them from, in for another day, just staying present and in the moment, which is can be really tough, but it there is a, such a difference when you do as well. And I think the visuals that's so helpful. Um, I worked with very young children, so that was so helpful to them for me to be able to pull up. This is what we're going to do today. This is when you'll get to see your family again so that I had concrete things to help them make sense of what was going on. And could you see with those visuals again, too, they provide a lot of information. So if you're showing, here's where you see your family again today. And that family was not, uh, was a little more frightening than, uh, fun. You could see that response also, couldn't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then we could uh, put some supports in place for that as well. You bet. All right. Those are excellent takeaways, Tiffany. And I'm going to kind of roll this around to, to us again. I'm going to relate it back to the, to the adult one more time before we close, because we've all said many hellos and goodbyes in our lives. I mean, that's what it's made up of. And we make rituals, like you said, your hello and goodbye rituals. We make uh, big rituals to mark the big ones. Uh, like hello to year 16, <laughs> hello to marriage, uh, the goodbye ritual of loved ones that pass on. So every hello and goodbye is some small moment of love. And in small moments, that allows us to tolerate the emotional highs and lows in a small way so that when life comes at us hard, we're more resilient. Uh, one thing to keep in mind, too, is when our daily rituals of connection become routines, you know, it's like the, the ritual is there, you know, toodaloo, toodaloo who? <laughs> Bye-bye, butterfly. Let's go with that. I can't think of toodaloo. <laughs> toodaloo kangaroo. That's it. Toodaloo <laughs> kangaroo. I knew it was there. It's was, it was on the tip of my tongue. So, but if that becomes just a routine, you know, uh, we we end up becoming like a clerk who automatically says, yeah, have a nice day, or the flight attendant that says hello to 300 people without feeling one moment of connection. So it's important that we take these rituals not for granted. 
that we don't just blow through them, that each day we have an opportunity to say hello in a very meaningful way. And I think it's a good reminder for all of us to slow down and take these moments to be the moments that they truly are, which is very powerful ones. Hello is, a, is, is greater than hello. It's a moment when we see the beauty in one another. It's a way of honoring a relationship they may last that might last uh, three seconds or a lifetime. Um, the same for goodbyes, honoring our time together. So for those listening, if your life has been like mine and gets so hectic that people come and go without saying hello or goodbye, you just hear the doors open and shut, we can change that. And if your greetings and goodbye have become automated without your presence, uh, let's all kind of join together and, and make a little co commitment. So Tiffany's given us your steps for tomorrow. I want to thank you, Tiffany, so much for joining us and sharing your brilliance. Thank you. Happy to do it. And certainly wish you well on that grieving process that comes from something beautiful that's morphing into something else. And for all the listeners out there, until next time, I wish you well. For more episodes of Real Talk with Real Teachers by Dr. Becky Bailey, visit ConsciousDiscipline.com forward slash podcasts. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app.